Welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Uh, and it is a special day. Um, wow, it's just so good. You excited? Yeah. <laughs> We sang earlier, The Best Is Yet To Come, I think, something like that. I didn't know the song, but I, I like that. That was great. The Best Is Yet To Come. Just keep singing it. You know, The Best Is Yet To Come. That's not just a cliche. That is true in God. The Bible says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. And, um, you know, perhaps you, you know, sometimes think it's, you know, four steps forwards and one back or four forwards and five back. But you know what? You've got to see the big pictures in life. You've got to see the overall, you've got to see the end from the beginning, that we serve a God who will turn around all things for our good. And um, that's what I want to talk about today, actually, Philippians chapter 1. Just going to read a couple of verses there. <laughs> haven't told the guys at the back. Um, so it's verses 19 down to verse 26, actually, a couple of verses, that's, that's seven. That's more than a couple, but there we go. Um, it says this, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Isn't that a great expression? I know this is, this is the Apostle Paul in prison, well, under house arrest, and um, all sorts of stuff going wrong in his life. Um, it could be said that everyone around him had given up. You could sort of say that. He's under house arrest. He doesn't know really how it's going to end up. But he had something going on on the inside of him which carried him through. And I want to encourage us today that it doesn't matter what stuff you're facing right now, what you've been through or what you're heading into tomorrow morning. You are more than enough and you've got something on the inside of you which is, is just so powerful. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God at work in us. And um, it says, for I know all things will turn out, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, through the supply of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed in anything. But with all boldness, that wasn't me. (laughs) Whatever that was, it wasn't me. I know I had a green tie curry last night, but I can assure you that was not me. (laughs) that with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my life whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is great gain but if I go on in the flesh that will mean fruit for my labor but um, I don't know what to choose I love this you know do I choose this do I choose to stay here with you guys do I choose to go to heaven and I know there have been seasons in church life where you know in the old days the old Pentecostals used to sing oh fly away oh glory and I want to go and I'm but I don't know about you I want to stay a bit longer on this planet because there's a whole lot of work to do I love what Jim said, or apparently he said to Cheryl, you know, there's more to do. I'm just getting started. Even at 83 years old, come on, I love that spirit. That's just great. Uh, But if, you know, if I hang on down here, then yes, I'll get more fruit, but, you know, I can go to heaven. What shall I choose? I don't know what to choose. For I'm hard-pressed between the two choices, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. However, I'm going to remain on in the the flesh because it's more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and I will continue with you all for your progress and the joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. 
I'm not going to get into all the depth of what this is really talking about. The, you know, the fact that the Apostle Paul had the choice whether he was going to stay or go. I think that's the most amazing thing. But I want to talk today about one of the greatest attributes in our life to live a... an overcoming life, to live a life of authority, to live a life where God can really be glorified in us and through us. And that is having a life of conviction on the inside. You know, he said a number of times in this passage, and it was, it was something he said a lot in his letters. He said, I know, I know. Now we've all met those really arrogant people that know everything. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they just wind you up. You just, you know, that I know this and I know that. Can I help you with that? No, I know what I'm doing. Have you, ever, have you ever had kids like that? Have you ever had kids? Our oldest, uh, he's not a kid anymore, he's an adult man, 23 years old. He did never have that attitude where it's like, no, I know what I'm doing. He would always be open to instruction. He'd, you know, he'd always be hungry to be, you know, even if he did know, what, you know the thing he was doing, it could be that somebody knew a bit more than him, especially his mum. <laughs> And so, now you're here, I can talk about you, it's wonderful. Um, Then we had our other son, we've got three boys, then we had the next one, who does not want to be told anything by his mum or dad. Other people can tell him stuff, but it's just, there's just something about mum or dad. Can I help you with that? No, I'm fine. No, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing, no, I know, I know. And it's like... (laughs) And then we got... Stephen, who's, um, who's very happy to be, to be told and shown. But you know what? It's not her speaking here about an arrogance of the flesh that says, I don't want to be told. It's speaking about a strength of conviction on the inside. It speaks of a confidence. That word confidence actually is a word confide, which is with faith. Uh, you know, to have confidence comes from a place of faith on the inside of us. And um, there's three things here that, that uh, speak to me out of, this, out of this incredible passage of Scripture that, that, that empowered Paul, empowered him so, so strongly that he was able to go through all the things he went through. I think it's fantastic. We can read Romans 8, we won't now, but it says, and we know that all things are going to work for our good. We know. Now, that's not just a scripture we put on the wall that sort of says, yeah, whatever happens when the devil's really going to town on my life and when everything's going wrong, it'll all turn around for good. Now, that's not what it is. There's something on the inside that says, come on, I know, I know that I know that I'm going to... I'm going to be strong in this. I'm going to pray. The Holy Spirit's going to give me an open door. The, you know, God's going to lead me through and he's going to get me out of this. I'm going to trample on every serpent and scorpion. I'm coming out. This is going to work for my good. Yeah. It gives you something to be strong in, not just something to resign to some you know, horrendous situation to. Job 19.25. I love this. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. I know, even everything he was going through, I know that my, do we know our Redeemer lives, that he's going to buy back everything? You know, he said, I'll redeem the years. I'll restore to you everything that the enemy's eaten off of your life. Why? Because we have a Redeemer. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, and we know that God hears us. 
You know, we don't have to pray just in our prayers getting higher than the ceiling. We know that even before it's in our mouth, we know that God's already heard every word before we've spoken them. It's important to speak to them, you know, to speak the words, because that's when we get them out of our heart. But God is not surprised. God already knows. For we know, that wasn't me either, for we know that all things work together for our good, according even farts through the PA system. Whatever is going on there is hilarious. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. For I know whom I believed. I know whom I believed. And I know that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him. You know what? In my younger days, and I'm a young man still, I'm very aware of that. In fact, the, you know, as I go to the gym, the gym equipment is telling me, I think I told you this last year, that I'm 35 years old. It's fantastic. <laughs> I stand on this thing and it sort of does what it does and it comes up, you are 35 years old. And it's like, oh, I love you. <laughs> I love this piece of machinery here. Uh, it's just fantastic. But, you know, back in my younger days, everything is about the power of, of, of our lives and our faith and our commitment and our energy. And the older you get, you can look back and you can see the grace of God and you can see the goodness of God every step of the way. And this is what he's saying. For I know that God is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him. Entrust your kids to God. Entrust your finances to God, entrust your job to God, entrust your society to God, you know, entrust your world to God because he will keep it, he will strengthen it, he will empower it and he will bring it through into a place of victory every time. But it's great here that um, he says, for I know that this is going to turn around. I know this is going to turn out for my salvation. And every time we get into God's word, it's important to make it personal For I know that my finances are going to turn around. I know it. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I know my health is going to turn around according to my, uh, the things that I'm going to go through today. I know that my family is going to turn out, uh, you know, for my salvation. This is, this is a very personal thing for I know that things are going to turn around. I love that expression, I know. But there are three things here which caused him to be able to know that he knows, that he knows, that he knows. Number one, he says this, I know this will turn out for my deliverance, number one, through your prayer. Through your prayer. He doesn't say through my prayer. You know what? There are too many isolated Christians. There are too many people who just go it alone and go through things on their own. Um, it's really clear that we are part of the body of Christ. I'm going to turn that off like that. Thank you. He says, I know this is going to turn out through your prayer. Not through my prayer. Now, we all know that we've got to pray and, you know, it's important for our relationship with God, etc. But you know what? It's really important that you're part of a family and that you're part of a body. It says really clearly here, this is going to turn around because someone else is praying. And there's something powerful in God that, you know, when he puts us together, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put three to flight, no, 10,000 to flight. You know, something happens when people get together. 
And obviously God is doing something very powerful here in Junction Church about the body, the family, about the fact we're together. We're one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one people. But I want to encourage you today to be praying for someone else. I want to encourage you today to not just pray about yourself. In fact, I'd really like to say it a little bit stronger than that. Uh, you know, I don't want to say stop praying about yourself, but I want to say reduce that down to a little bit and really pray for everybody else as the major thing in your life. Because you know what? We've already you know, read, I've quoted, for I know whom I've believed and I know that God's going to keep my life and I know God's going to bring things through to me. Uh, you know, we don't have to keep praying about ourselves. Yeah, we need to trust God about ourselves, but we need to be praying for other people. And I want to encourage you today, if you're going through something financially, stop praying about it. (laughs) Pray about somebody else's need. Because everything you sow, you reap. You see, God will take every prayer you pray for somebody else, and he will make sure that somebody else is praying for you. And he'll make sure that somebody else is praying for them. I want to be a part of that great prayer chain. Absolutely. He said, I know this is going to turn around through your prayer. Now, who was the your prayer? Who was the your? Who was the you he was talking about? Well, it was the church at Philippi. Now, the church in Philippi was, can't say his favorite church, but it was his, it was his home church. We could put it like that. It began when he was in the inner cell. Do you remember Paul and Silas were in the inner cell, Acts chapter 16? And they were there praising God, worshiping God with all their heart, their soul, their strength in the middle of the inner cell at midnight, in the middle of the night. And the angel came and God broke through. The glory of God came in and the Philippian jailer got saved. And and he and his household got saved. And then the church started at Philippi. And then if you read the book of Philippians, this book where we're reading from, it says, I have you in my heart. You are my partners. These are words he uses. You partake of my grace. We're in this together. No other church has supported me like you've supported me, church in Philippi. They, they were his special church. They were his, uh, you know, I could say his sort of home church. This, is, this was his family. And I want to encourage you today. This is family. And I want to really, oh, and I keep saying, come on, guys. Let's be praying for other people. Let's be praying for the other people that you see in this room and those who should be in this room and those perhaps were once in the room and perhaps they've gone through some stuff. Come on, guys. Let's partner again. Let's say it isn't about me. It's about somebody else. And I'm going to pray about that. Why? We are a family. Let's bear each other's burdens. We are an army. Let's fight together. We are a temple. Let's be built together. And as we lift up each other, I love James 5.23 and it, It says the effective, fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. There's incredible power in prayer. So come on, let's be praying for the people around us. Paul said, I know this is going to turn around because my home church is praying for me. I know this is going to turn around. I know I'm coming out of victory. They're going to take the handcuffs off. I'm coming out because I've got a church praying for me. Very, very powerful thing. What's the second thing that happens? He says, I know this is going to turn around through your prayer. Number two, through the supply of the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus Christ. Through the supply of the Holy Spirit. He said, I have a, conf- a, a confidence that I'm coming out of this situation because I've got the Holy Spirit. 
How do we have the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a number of ways we have the Holy Spirit, and you as a church of all churches would know this. We have the Holy Spirit alongside us as a helper. He helps us. He's called the great helper. He's the one, you know, when Christ said, I'm going, but don't worry about it. I'm sending another helper. I'm sending somebody that will help your life. Like I've been with you for three and a half years. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you for three and a half years. I don't know about you. I sometimes think it would have been amazing to have been alive 2,000 years ago and been in Galilee and been around Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that just have been amazing? But you know what? Yes and no. He said, when I go, it's going to be better. You'll do greater things. It's because you'll have the Holy Spirit like he had the Holy Spirit. Most amazing thing. Every day when we get up, whether you talk to God as your first words or not, you know what? You get up with the Holy Spirit. He's there as our helper. He's also there as the one who fills us. He fills us. So he isn't just alongside helping us. He fills us with himself and with his presence. Paul said, I know this is going to turn around because the Holy Spirit is here helping me. I know this is going to turn around because I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm being filled on a daily basis. We know these scriptures, I'm sure a lot of us, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. What's that really speak about? It's not only the power of God, it's the character of God. It's the characteristics of God. It's the mentality of God. It's the mind of Christ. It's how we think. It's how we act. It's how we live. Let's be the people that God has called us to be, which is filled with the Spirit of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know this is going to turn around because I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I know this is going to turn around because the Holy Spirit's walking with me and helping me every... I know this is going to turn around because the church is praying for me. I don't have to wonder how this is going to end. I know it's going to end well because the church is praying. I'm filled with the Spirit of God and he's also empowered with the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit alongside. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's an old word that really means you take the ointment like you get Savlon or you get some kind of ointment and you rub it on something and it's absorbed in and it changes what you rub it into. And that's, that's like the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't go anywhere till you've received power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know we, you know, we, We understand these things and we've talked about these things for years. But God wants us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Never, ever lose sight of the fact that the church must be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Empowered. As a school teacher, God wants to be there as the Holy Spirit helping you. He wants to fill you so you're led by his spirit and you understand. But he wants you to be empowered to teach those children. He wants to empower you to be the doctor or the nurse that you are. He wants to empower you to work in the oil industry. He wants to empower you. But he also wants to empower us to set captives free. And to bring words and to bring love into situations where people are set free by the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. He said, I know this is going to turn around. I want to encourage you you today. It is going to turn around. Whatever it is you're facing. Because we all face stuff on a daily basis. It's going to turn around. What's the third thing? He says this. I know it's going to turn around through your prayer, through the supply of the Holy Spirit, but also according to my earnest expectation. What an incredible passage. According 
to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed in anything. What is that earnest expectation? It could be amplified like this. Intense desire. Eager anticipation. To expect with pleasure. This is the sort of thing when you're, ex- you're excited that something is going to happen. And I don't know if I've ever spoken from this passage here or not. It's one of my favorite, favorite passages in the Bible. But expectation is something we've got to stir up. Expectation is something that we've got to stir up on a daily basis. There's a great verse that we, uh, you know, I think it was even spoken of today where um, he says this, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. To him is the glory. I love that passage as well because it really says this. It says, to him be the glory and to you be the power. To him be the glory and to us be the power. According to the power that works in us. What is that power that works in us? Well, it's so many things, but it's the power of expectation. It's the power of what we are expecting God to do. I believe in the power of expectation. We've talked so many times about a spirit of faith and, and, you know, expecting God to show up and expecting. But these are things that have got to be alive on the inside of us. It, I said to Citygate the other day, or the other uh, Sunday, about expecting the unexpected. To, to live life expecting God to show up. And that doesn't you know, mean to say some airy-fairy thing where we're just going around life and we don't put anything in and we're just expecting God to just do something just in spite of us. No, we're not saying that at all. We're saying, come on, if we're truly expecting something, if we're truly expecting God to move, then we'll live in a certain way. We'll act in a certain way. You, You see, the church has to be a place of vision, has to be a place of expectation. If you turn to Habakkuk, not now, but if you turn there, it says, I'm going to complain to God. And Habakkuk was sort of complaining and bringing my complaint up. And the answer that God had for Habakkuk was this. He said, write down your expectations. Make them clear on a tablet that other people can run with what you're expecting. We use the word vision. But you know what? Often when people uh, you know, complain and this is going wrong and that's going wrong, God says, come on. Put down on a bit of paper what you're expecting to happen. Come on, get your eyes off of all the stuff you want to complain about and get your expectation up. Get your expectation stirred up. There are so many ups in the Bible. It says stir up. It says to rise up. It says to wake up. It says to look up and to lift up. God's whole kingdom is a kingdom of up. It's a kingdom of up. So many times when we say, let's pray, heads hang down. And I sort of teach, and I think, what's that about? We do an academy back at Citygate, and we got 33 students on it this year, which is great. And one of the first things I do, I say, right, it is now illegal to pray with your head down. Their first session, it re- honestly, I'm telling you the truth. I say, come on, guys, we're going to change this year. When we pray, yeah, there's nothing in the Bible that says drop your head when you pray. It says lift up your eyes, lift up your head, lift up your hands. Why? Because we're, we're to live life with an expectation and to open up and not close down. 
Now, in our church, we do say everybody's eyes closed and head bowed when we do that hands up thing. But that's not out of prayer. That's out of honoring people. And that's out of keep your eyes shut and don't embarrass somebody else. But come on, let's lift our eyes. Lift our heads. Lift our hands. Lift our expectation. You know what? We've said it three or four times today. The best is yet to come. And that's not just a resigning sort of, oh, you know what, God will do something. Come on, let's get our expectation through the roof. I know this is going to turn out. I know my finances are going to turn around. I know my family's going to honor God. I know my kids are going to be great and on fire for God. I know the church is going to grow. I know we're going to influence the city. I know the enemy's going to be trampled underfoot. How, why, what, how, how can you be so confident? Well, because I've got a church praying for me. I've got a church praying for me. Why? Oh, because I've got the Holy Spirit with me. He's alongside me. He's inside me. He's upon my life. Holy Spirit, come and zap me again. Holy Spirit, fill me again. Holy Spirit, walk with me again. Holy Spirit, on a daily basis, come on, lead me and guide me into all the truth. I've got a church praying for me, but I want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. But I know this is going to turn around. Why? Because I'm expecting the best. I'm expecting this to be awesome. I'm expecting people to come to Christ. I'm expecting this to be a good journey and not hard work. I'm expecting this to be God-honoring. I'm expecting it. I know that I know that I know. All the glory to God and all the power to us as he works on the inside of us. You know, he wants to astound us with what he wants to do. You know, I often think of Caleb, most amazing man in the Bible. There he is, 85 years old. He comes up to Joshua and says, now give me the mountain. I'm as strong today as I was back then (laughs) when it was first spoken to me when I was 40 years old. He trudged round and round and round in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because of other people's decisions. Didn't get cynical, didn't get bitter, didn't complain, didn't moan, didn't groan, just kept on going one step closer to the mountain, one step closer to the mountain. Then he gets into the promised land. He doesn't go straight for his mountain. He fights for five years for everybody else's mountain. He fights, it's a bit like that. Come on, I'm praying for somebody else here. My day will come. But in these five years, I'm just going to make sure that everybody else gets their inheritance. Everybody else gets hold of their promises. Everybody else is strengthened and supported. It's not about me, it's about them. But then a day comes and he comes up to Joshua and says, Now today, Joshua, give me the mountain. God spoke it. I'm as strong today. I've wholeheartedly followed God. I could say this. I've kept my expectation strong for 45 years. Now my day has come. We don't just want to dangle carrots out there, but we can stand on the promises of God. Do you get anything out of that this morning? Fantastic. Come on, let's all stand to our feet, shall we? Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.